2: So, uh, Kay Robinson, if you're listening, I, I need some assistance. If you have a moment and you can edit my article on the mayor's proposed budget at WBSM.com and on the app, I accidentally put $531 million in the headline instead of $513 million.
0: Oh, dear. All so right.
2: If you wouldn't mind helping me out there. Of course. Just so that I, I mean, I can obviously fix it myself, but I don't want to leave the misinformation out there any longer than I need sure. to. Sure. The story has it correct. Good. But the headline, that's what happens when you're writing your story as the Celtics are playing mm-hmm. and you're you know, trying to do two things at once. So.
3: Absolutely.
2: Also, while you're in there, I, I'm going to ask you again, because we get those emails from the U.S. Attorney's Office, can you please email Rachel Rollins and see if she can get me some tickets for Friday night's playoff game? Sounds good. All yeah. Right. I'll ask her for myself as well. Yeah. I was saying, do you want to go too? Yeah. All right. Yeah. We can we'll split parking that way. It's a lot easier. <laughs> she got 30 last time, right? So there's
3: there's yep. loads left.
2: Right. I mean, uh, People are probably hitting her up right now and be like, okay, I know you got those Celtics tickets. Can you get me Taylor Swift tickets? Ooh. You're leaving anyway. What difference does it make? One, right. more, one more violation. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kate. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, we are going to be joined in just a few moments by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. For Midweek with the Mayor, we are going to talk about some things that are going on in the city, including the proposed budget that was uh, proposed in front of the city council last night. We will talk about the the challenges with that budget because... Unfortunately, as the mayor pointed out in his speech, about 75% of the budget, there's not much they can do about that. And the 25% that they can do something about and where they can affect some some change in, in saving the taxpayers some money, the city council doesn't seem to want to do that because they've had the opportunity and they voted it down each time that it's come up. So we'll talk about that as well. So it's not a $531 million budget, as it says in the headline, it's a $513 million budget as it says inside the story. Um, but I, I just transpose those numbers, I guess. Uh, listen, writing articles at 10, 11 o'clock at night is it used to work fine for me. <laughs> it's not such a good idea when you're getting up at four in the morning now. So I have to fix that. And it's- It's my fault, too, for not planning better with Adam Bass going on vacation this week. Adam, we are waiting for you to come back. It's budget season. We need you, buddy. Uh, But, of course, we will talk more about what comprises that and why it is such a high number and why it is for a budget that is once again, you know, in the mayor's characterization of it, as lean as it can be. Why it's so much more than it was last year when he proposed a $471 million budget. Is it a matter of just inflation and everything else that's going on economically? Is that what's driving that big difference or are there other factors involved? He will talk about all that with us as well. And if you want to read the story, you can go to WBSM.com and the WBSM app and read it all there. You can also read the entire context of the mayor's speech. I put a link in there and uploaded the speech itself so that you can read the entirety of it because it's going to it might be a little bit before it's up on the cable access website. I know they try to get important meetings like this up uh, the next day as quickly as they can. But maybe, you know, you want to read about it now and you want to know about the speech now before it gets uploaded. It's all there for you to read and also uh, some very helpful uh, charts and graphs that he presented to the city council those are also in the story for you to check out as well. So even as we're discussing it here on the air, you may want to follow along with it uh, in the written form there and with the visual aids as we discuss it. And, of course, we will take your calls for the mayor at 508-996-0500. You can also send app chat messages as well. But as I always caution, when I have a guest in the studio, it's a little bit harder to check the app chat frequently because you don't want to be looking away at another screen when you're talking with someone, but you can also send those app chat messages and uh, we'll try to work those in as well. And a programming note for you, since, you know, we are moving the mayor's segment from my 9am show into this morning slot this morning, I want you to know that we're also doing the same thing tomorrow with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. She'll be joining us tomorrow morning in the eight o'clock hour at this time, along with City Councilor-at-Large Shane Burgos. So we're going to be moving that segment to the mornings as I'm, as I'm covering the morning shift for the time being so that you can still have that conversation each week uh, and hear about what's going on from a city council perspective. And uh, I, I'm glad that um, our regular guests have been able to adjust and, and see that they, if they can make it work to be with us in the earlier time slot. It's very helpful. Jack Blaine, of course, was here with us Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, I'm not going to have him come in this Monday at 8 a.m., though, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Jack is going to be filling in today for Barry Richard, which I think is... I'm fascinated to see what happens when Barry's regular listeners get a chance to spar with Jack Spillane. So that'll be happening this afternoon. He'll be filling in for Barry today. Uh, Tomorrow, Jessica Machado will be filling in for Barry. He's taking a few days off. He's got some family time planned. Uh, Monday and Tuesday... Barry will be out as well. And on Monday, Jack will also be back to fill in for Barry. So we're not going to make him come in at 8 o'clock in the morning, do a segment with me, and then hang around and wait to host Barry's show. He's a busy guy. He's got other things going on. We're just happy that he can step in and fill in. So he's just going to join us Monday as Barry's fill in. So you'll still be able to hear about whatever he's been working on at NewBedfordLight.org. He has an article up today uh, about the – about the mayor and and uh, the local delegation and I'm sure that he'll be talking about that this afternoon as he steps in and fills in for Barry. And of course, you know, that's part of what we're trying to do here as we have vacation time come up and in the summertime, people want to take vacation time. We do try to work in some other voices. You know, we're trying to pull Phil Pallylogus back in. I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked with him to see how he's enjoying not waking up in the morning. You know, we might call him and say, hey, Phil, can you fill in? And he might be like,
1: yeah, you know what? Eh."
2: No, I think he would absolutely do it. So we look forward to him coming in and being part of the mix as well. But we also like to have the opportunity to feature people, whether it be as a fill in or joining us on the air, that you might not get to hear more often. And that's how we find people like Jessica Machado to come in and fill in because and then to get her own show on Saturdays because she came in. She did things with Barry. She did things with me. And then you realize, hey, here's somebody who has a knack for this. And that's how a lot of, you know, people think that there's a lot of study and, and a lot of um, education that goes into this. And really, it comes down to two things. Can you speak most, can you speak clearly most of the time? Can you press a button when you need to press a button? But most importantly, can you pay attention to and talk about and carry a conversation about and interact with people about the issues that they care about? And here at WBSM, is it the local issues that they care about? Because that's what drives us here. You can go talk about anything else you know, going on in the country at any other station. But where else can you talk about the new Bedford budget? Where else can you talk about the impact of offshore wind on the South Coast as a whole? Where else can you talk about things like the septic upgrades that are going to be required? You know, This is the place where we talk about those local issues that you can't discuss anywhere else. Where we can talk about things like Little Free Diverse Libraries in Marion and Mattapoisett and Coming to Rochester. Where we can talk about the school committee elections that are happening in those towns. Of course, they're electing other elected officials as well. But it's the school committees that have become a focus because of the controversy over some of the books that are in those libraries. And so that's why we focus on those things. And that's what we're looking for when we bring people here. People who can talk about those issues and keep moving that conversation forward. And that's what we hope that you can do when you call in as well. And that's why we create all of these different opportunities for you to chime in and be involved in the discussion, even if you can't call in. You know, there was a time when the only option that you had if you wanted to be heard on the radio was to call in to the radio station and maybe have to wait on hold. Maybe have to wait because the news is coming on or there's a commercial break or another caller is called in before you and three other callers called in before you. So now you're in in the queue and waiting for your chance. We've modernized it so that we have all these different options and all these different opportunities for you to be part of the discussion in the way that it works for you. And to hear about the issues in the way that it works for you. You might not be able to listen live. If the mayor is going to be on at 8 o'clock this morning, you might not have the chance to listen to the mayor because... You're doing other things or you're at work getting ready for your day or, or whatever it may be. Well, that's why we have podcasts. That's why we have the ability for you to listen to the program after the fact. It's just part of all the ways that we're utilizing the technology that we have available to bring you the best possible presentation of the WBSM product. And of the community conversations that are of the utmost importance to the South Coast. And that's why we will have elected officials on here to take your questions and to be accountable to you, the voters. It's why we continue to discuss the things that you might not be reading about anymore in the newspaper. That you might not be getting the opportunity to see on cable access. We'll keep those conversations going because this is the place where the community does come together. You know, that's, that's why... Town Square Media is Town Square Media because they want to be that town square where you come together to have these conversations. 508-996-0500. We're going to be joined by Mayor Mitchell in just a few moments. Right now, why don't we take our first break? We'll be right back. And welcome back in. We are joined now by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am doing all right, Tim. Good so, to be with you. I, I heard you, uh, you had the scenic route this
3: morning. Yeah, well you know it's kind of a lame excuse but um yeah we we got stuck on the bridge yeah it's been a while since i got stuck on the bridge heading to the show but um, we got stuck on the bridge different different time slot it it can yeah, cause all kinds of problems look, uh, yeah no i like i thanks for offering up that excuse for me but yeah that's uh, <laughs> well listen you're a busy guy,
2: and being able to join Thank us early in the morning might be a difficult thing. So we appreciate you you coming yeah, in. No, no,
3: not at all. Uh, no, it's it's good. It's um, uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, Phil's Phil's departure is, uh, uh you know, obviously have guys have had to to move stuff around, and and um, so no, I I appreciate you fitting me in. How are you, the question is how are you doing? Getting up at. <laughs> Uh, the wee hours oh, 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 oh dark 30 So far so good You know Knock on for
2: Micah. The alarms go off I pop right up I get ready I come in I find that there's a lot less traffic Getting here in the morning So yeah, it's, yeah. it's less stressful coming in Yeah, um, yeah. But you know I, I had a late night last night Celtics were on uh, yeah. You had a late night last night Because you were presenting the budget To the city
3: council uh, Well good segue But I watched the Celtics game too It's <laughs> did, which, is, which was unsatisfying Did you make it home for the start Or did you have to DVR some of it um, I, I think I turned it on just after it started. So I, I got pretty much all of it, but, um, yeah, that, that game was a little bit of a drag anyway. Um, yeah. So the budget, so yeah, the last yesterday was, was budget night in New Bedford. And this is the time of year when, um, I go before the city council. the only time I go before into city council chambers for any business, and, uh, and offer my, my budget address, the budget addresses over the year. So you, you talked a little bit, um, cause we had, we're, as we're stuck on the bridge, we tuned in, and, uh, uh, we actually have a liner now that says, you know, keeping you informed and entertained while you're stuck on the bridge. You know, you could put a sign, uh, by the way, you should, somewhere around there that says, stuck on the bridge, tune into to 1420, right? right? Yeah. But you know, they have that bridge traffic
2: tuned to like 850 a.m. Yeah. I was going to say bridge traffic tuned to 1420 a.m. Exactly. So
3: anyway, I digress. So the the budget, uh, so we we we, uh, we released the budget last night and the budget, the the, the municipal budget, there are a couple of things that people, a number of things that people should know. It's... Relatively static. Um, and by that I mean things, there, there aren't, every year it is composed of more or less the same items. It's not like we're uh, launching these massive new programs or, um, or removing them either, right? It, it's the same set of municipal services. I think, you know, in some cities, especially ones, the larger ones is out west that are growing, um, you know, there is. The, the, their budgets tend to be more um, uh, more expansive or subject to expansion uh, than, than ours. Um, uh, ours has been, been more or less composed of the same stuff for a long time. All that said, those things get more expensive, and the things that are getting more expensive are the things that people don't see. So that's... Um, healthcare for municipal employees, it's pensions for municipal employees and retirees. And um, the problem we have is that the expansion of those things is tending to squeeze out like the stuff that people do see, um, ranging from public safety to the maintenance of parks and roadways to uh, libraries all that stuff um, the operating budgets in city government now are really really lean and I got when I say lean I mean you hear when people talk officials talk about budgets they sometimes speak very colloquially about about them lean budgets and austerity and all that stuff but you know the the, the reality is that we have when it comes to like health care health care is going up by 10% percent uh, that's a lot. Uh, the pension costs continue to go up uh, all the time. And so, as a result, we've seen just in my time in office, we've reduced the number of city employees by 100. Uh, from 1,300 and change to 1,200 and change. I forget the exact numbers, but it's about a 10% reduction. So it's uh, we don't have as many people working, but the budget continues to get bigger and bigger. and It's because of the cost of these these other benefits, this so-called non-discretionary expenses that just uh, are beyond our control, or largely beyond our control, and don't um, and 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 don't result in you know, more roads being paved, more officers on the street and so forth. So that's the frustrating part. There are things that we can do. Um, A lot of it is dictated by state law, but there are a handful of things that we can do that I have proposed to the city council. But um, the the most important one is that we adopt a statute in state law that allows us to negotiate on a, a level playing field with the, with the, public employee unions about the uh, the composition of their health care plants and it's a it's a pretty unremarkable provision all it says is if you can't agree the parties go to an arbitrator that's it um, and it's it is because it's unremarkable and it's kind of like you know commonsensical uh Virtually every other city and town in southeastern Massachusetts has adopted it. So it's all the surrounding, immediately surrounding towns, um, Fall River, Somerset, all of them. The only other one in southeastern Mass that hasn't adopted it is Westport. I don't know, I don't know why that is, but um, so it, we've this is the fourth time I will have put it in front of the city council for adoption. I hope they give it. Uh, consideration because we've we've, we're in a tough spot with health care costs we've seen the cost of just about everything go up in the last couple of years of course a lot of stuff has slowed down in terms of its uh, price escalation but um and so things are a little more stable now but health it's not the case with health care costs like a 10 percent year-over-year uh, increase is a lot, and uh, and it's just not sustainable. And people will, if it continues, people will continue to have to pay pay for it um, in their tax bills and see less, uh, frankly, less services from city government. That's just not a good situation to be in. So we want to make sure that that the, the council is fully apprised of what that, um, what that um, the, the new councils at least uh, are fully understand the ramifications of that uh law that it isn't uh it may not be the, you know the sky is falling um a uh, proposition that a lot some of the opponents have have painted it to be but we, we really do have to make some hard decisions now in the, in the long run it's not like the sky is going to fall tomorrow but we don't want to put ourselves in a position where five years from now we're, lo- we're having to close libraries and other stuff just because you know we've let healthcare costs go out of control,
2: and and you've talked with us about this in the past, so it's not like if this did go to an arbiter that they, they would it would be a deduction of that say ten percent. Uh, you've talked about how it could just be a minority, uh, I'm sorry, a minor amount that they are decreasing the percentage that the city is paying for this health insurance, but that in the long term and overall, that's going to save a
3: lot of money could in you the budget. A great deal of savings without yeah. really hurting the individual person. Too right. Much. Sky hasn't fallen in the surrounding towns uh, or in Fall River when it comes to this uh, to the provision of health care benefits to municipal employees. It's not it isn't that big of a, uh, a deal for uh, for the em- employees. It, what it will result in is uh, spending on those parts of the, their health care plans that are, that are underutilized, that are probably unnecessary, it'll just become more efficient. That's that's all.
2: And that's that's even assuming that the Arbiter ruled in favor of the administration, too. Right. They
3: may not. Right. Right. Exactly.
2: And also, you're losing employees. You're losing police officers and teachers and other folks to these surrounding communities where they have no problem with them having that provision in those communities.
3: Uh, that's exactly right. And that's because their, their pay is... Com- fairly competitive with ours and they're able to pay more because they haven't been allowed themselves to be squeezed with, with healthcare costs. Um, I think employees would rather have in general would have rather have a, a more efficient healthcare plan with higher pay than an inefficient healthcare plan with lower pay. Um, just stands to reason, but that's the situation we're in right now.
2: And you also mentioned last night with retirement costs too. And uh, that right now the city only is funded fifty two percent of what it needs to for the retirement funds.
3: Right. No, I think it's it's that's another area that is largely dictated by state law. State law says that we have to become fully funded by the year twenty thirty five. We we have the op- option of, exp- of pushing that out a couple of years. I think it's the twenty thirty seven. Um, it's not something I recommend because the longer it it uh, it takes the um, um, it, it just it, we end up we end up. Paying more, it's kind of like a mortgage. Um, That said, um, we are, as you noted, only fifty-two percent funded. So we are seventh from the bottom in terms of our uh, the solvency of our uh, retirement system in in Massachusetts. So we're not in a because we're not flush with cash. We really do need to uh, think hard about proposals to increase benefits. I'd love to be able to increase benefits retirees. I'd love to be able to provide provide more and if we had the funds to do it we certainly would. I think the, I don't think there'd be much objection to it. It's just like a lot of other things in life you have to think about you know whether you can afford you know the new car versus the used one. All right, you have to think about whether you you know you buy you know, a, a new fridge. If your new fridge, if your current fridge still has a few years left on it, it's all these decisions that we uh, that we have to make about affordability and our lives. That the same logic applies to uh, what we spend money municipal funds on for the benefit of our uh, our residents. We we have to make these these choices, and they're not always easy.
2: And as you said, you know, you you brought up the health care issue uh, four times, and each time it's been voted down. Last time it was seven to three. Do you have any indications of the fourth, how- uh, fourth times a charm is that I, I <laughs>
3: do you do you have any indications of how it might go this time around look i i, I think there there will be resistance and and you know, look i would say up or down what whatever whatever comes of it i i would and I've said this to councils I would not be doing my job if I didn't put it in front of them if I didn't say to them look um you can you can scan the budget and that small sliver of a budget for um, the, all the operating uh, components of city government, all the operating agencies, which comprises like 12% of the entire budget, 30 departments are in this little sliver of, of, uh, of the, the entire pie, and pick out a position here or there and say, oh, that's wasteful and, you know, whatever, you've left that vacant. And so we're going to cut it. Well, you, if, when you engage in that exercise, as the council has over the last several years, it really doesn't save taxpayers much money, but it does show up on, you know, the constituent scoreboard. People see things not being taken care of as well, and that's because we just don't have the, the bodies to go around uh, to ca- take care of parks and take care of roads and sweep this and, you know, clean up that, what, all, all those things. So um, what I'd say to them is, like, if I didn't put in front of you, like, what I think is a far better solution, that is to say, uh, to, you know, to have a health care system or a health care a system to provide municipal health care uh more efficiently then i i just wouldn't be doing my job so you know i hope they we have in the city council a full discussion around that but um and you know I'll, i'll continue to make the case that it's the right thing to do
2: All right, why don't we take a break? When we come back on the other side, we will talk more with the mayor. We can also take your calls at 508-996-0500. But right now, we do have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few. And welcome back. We are joined by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell, and phone lines are open at 508-996-0500. We do have a caller on the line, so let's go to that. Good morning. You are on with the mayor. Hi, mayor.
0: I, I wanted to know... I know you're talking about the elephant in the room and things that need to be discussed where we can pare down the costs. But one thing I never honestly hear you talk about, I mentioned it before, and you said all oh, the housing budget's coming out. But the fact that we as a city in a very high percentage of new immigrants, I just want to hear you know your thoughts on how that affects first responders, the school system, housing market, the crisis where everything is short funded and how the, um, you know, although it seems compassionate, when we're short on everything else and we continue to basically uh, welcome and summon people in from around the world, how does that balance out for you financially?
3: It has no connection. Excuse me? I said it has no connection. So, so if we have a. So, you
0: so, know. so if you want hold, me to explain, Hold on, let him,
3: let him explain. So, you may, no, so no. if you're referring to the 25 Afghans that we welcomed into the city, um, I don't know, I think there are maybe like half a dozen school children, and about 85% of our school budgets paid for by the state. And the incremental cost of adding one student here or there is um, negligible.
0: But those are not the only immigrants that we've basically. I mean, I don't know if we consider ourselves a sanctuary city.
3: No, I, I've been asked that I'm, countless, countless times on this on this radio station, and I've said over the last five years, and I, I, I'll say it to one blue in the face: we have not declared ourselves to be a sanctuary city. Tim has heard me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. A, at least a dozen times, when callers have called in and said, uh, mayor, we're a sanctuary city, aren't we? No, we're, we have not said we're a sanctuary city. So like, uh, so if any but so for people who are listening have been tuning in over the last few years, I'm sure they're nodding their heads right now. All right, Thank you for the phone call. And
2: uh, if you want to call in and ask the mayor a question, 508-996-0500. Um, I do want to cover a couple of other things in the time that we have yeah. left. Uh, I want to ask you about, because we're entering into hurricane season. And each year that, we go, that goes by where we haven't had a significant hurricane,
3: I get a little bit more and more worried that we're due for one. Well, I breathe a sigh of relief at the end of the hurricane season when we don't have one. Uh, it, we're we're going to have one. We're just in a position where we're prone to hurricanes, and that's what history has shown, and what um, here as well as uh, recent uh, history over the decades has shown here, but also re- more recent history where there's been a lot of hurricane activity. I don't know if this this current season is going to be active; it may or may not be. But uh, we're a city that has to be has to think about these things. So we do, you know, we train on it, and um, we had a a. a what a so-called tabletop exercise, training exercise, last week to train on the evacuation of certain parts of the South End, um, the low-lying areas, especially around Paynerram Avenue, especially areas around the peninsula, in case we get a larger storm. And and uh, I think it was it was a useful exercise to understand uh, the risks and the you know the uh, the challenges and coordination. Um, we live in an era where we can see things coming from, from you know, a few days out. But that's, it's, there is the pred- forecasts are never certain until the, the storm actually shows up. So if you have, there is a need to evacuate, a lot of times people will wait to the last minute to make those decisions. Um, or they'll just hold out and just say, no, nah, this, is, this, is this is no big deal. And we don't want people to do that, so we wouldn't call an evacuation uh, for any uh, unserious reason. It would be to get people out so that so they you know they they don't lose their lives. But it is a real risk. I mean, I've seen it personally with storms uh, over the years, where uh, the water has come up on Paynesboro Avenue in the South End, and. Um, so we've had some close calls and storms that really weren't all that that big, um, and so if we do get a big hurricane, you, know, you can rest assured that like the Peyton Air Avenue area will get flooded, and so um, you know we I think if you live in those areas, you just have to be attuned to uh, that possibility. It's a very very real risk, and the city government will do everything it can to keep to keep you safe. But we need people's cooperation to to actually. Um, succeed. So, who's involved in
2: one of these tabletop exercises, and what kind of plans are, are discussed? Yeah, so
3: you know, Brian Nobrega is our director of emergency management, so he heads it up. But it involves uh, many city agencies: fire, police, community services, uh, the Department of Public Infrastructure, uh, among others. And they all have a role to play. Uh, DPI, for instance, has a whole lot of uh, does a whole lot of work leading up to a storm. To uh, mitigate uh, the risk of flooding by clearing catch basins, getting the pumping stations working, uh, making sure they're working, uh, trimming trees, all that. The uh, and and also managing the uh, the street gates of the hurricane barrier, the three street gates, um, and then our public um, safety agencies do a whole lot of different stuff along the way, um, including uh, in the event of an evacuation, helping getting people out. Um, We've had only once in my time of office, in office did we did we have a how do we say it? I think it was like a we recommended that people leave their houses on Paytonair Avenue. That was with, um, with Sandy, which you know, pretty much missed us um, and uh, but there was flooding on Paytonir Avenue and we said like we told people we weren't sure how far it was going to come up and so we got them out. But um, it's, it's very foreseeable that we'll have something big. And I just want to make sure people are thinking about this and they're not like, you know, when they hear that the city is, the, that I or anybody else, any other mayor in the future says you need to evacuate, that that's taken seriously.
2: And it all, yeah, it shows that when these decisions are made in the event of a storm, they're not arbitrary, they're not reactionary. They're things no. that have been practiced and thought out well in advance. It's
3: thought out, and they're also based on, um, flood maps that come from reputable sources like, you know, like NOAA or Woods Hole or uh, any number of others. So we, we want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at these things objectively and we're not uh, crying wolf when, you know, it's, it's when for some minor storm that we will do it. Um, We'll do it when we need to do it, uh, but when we do, uh, people should just, just understand that that's that's something they need to follow through on.
2: And it bears mentioning you've you've brought this up in the past too that the city has its own forecasting service that it utilizes. You're not worried about the TV weathermen and and, and meteor weathermen. What's wrong with me, meteorologists? You're not worried about <laughs> what they're saying. You're you're paying attention to somebody who is looking directly at what will impact the city.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of folks, there, there are some folks in the area that, that watch the, the Boston media, which I don't think is you know, for, uh, I'll just say this, when it comes to predicting the weather, they don't exactly have New Bedford in mind. Um, uh, we have found you know, the, the, the for the Providence, uh, New Bedford stations, uh, those, uh, they tend to be uh, a little more accurate. But we, so we look at that, we look at, Uh, The National Weather Service forecast, and we also look at the subscription service that has proven to be the most accurate uh, for us, and that's we use that primarily for predicting snowstorms. But um, uh, we look at all these things, so it's not like it's not like we're um, following you know any prediction down the rabbit hole. We're we're looking at the totality of them, and we're trying to try to make the best decisions possible.
2: Right, why don't we take our final break? Let me get that out of the way, and then we can come back and we can take some phone calls at 508-996-0500. We'll be back with Mayor Mitchell in just a few moments. And back to the conversation with Mayor John Mitchell. We will finish off with your phone calls and other topics with the mayor, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Uh,
1: good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. You know, uh, New Bedford is not a, uh, it's not, it's a gateway city, uh, yeah, Tony Cabal, representative, told uh, Marcus Ferro that we're a gateway city. Uh, our state has the right to settle law, which, uh, which, uh, the, the cities and towns have to take on migrants, some call migrants illegal aliens, and, uh, and provide, support them, before, uh, provide, uh, affordable housing, education, and, uh, welfare programs, or, um, and uh, there's about 400 families, I read in an article, uh, that are being supported by the state of Massachusetts. And, uh, and let me just say quickly, in closing, on uh, WBSM was reported, I believe it was last month, uh, Eastern Fisheries was raided and investigated for hiring undocumented workers. And I believe BJ's temp agency also was under investigation. So we do have an illegal problem here. It was reported Eastern Fisheries had them. Right, well, so can you undo- undoubtedly say for sure that we don't have a migrant problem here in the city?
3: So uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what, what, what's the what well, problem you're it's... referring to. Are there folks who live in the city who, are, who don't have immigration status? In other words, are undocumented? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, obviously, but that's true of every city in the country. Um, the caller before was asking what that means for the city budget, and my answer is, well, pretty much nothing. That's, that, was, that was the question. So uh, that, uh, it, it doesn't, the city budget, the city budget is, well, uh, the, city, the city budget is composed of a, a number of cost centers. About 45% of it is uh, the school system. The school system itself is largely paid for by the state, about 85 percent of it. And then you look at the other components of it; and they have to do with employee compensation. And the the problem I've I've flagged is that you know even though we're reducing the number, we've reduced the number of employees in city government, the uh, the cost uh, the cost of benefits associated with them are continued to go up, pensions and. And healthcare those things have nothing to do with anybody's immigration status um, You can't work for the city of New Bedford if you don't have if if you're undocumented So that's what's really dry. That's what's driving the uh, the, the budget. And so that's that's why in answer to the the other caller's question, which I it sounds like you're you're referencing is uh, uh, My answer is there's there's no connection between the two.
2: And even if you know they call in and you make the argument, well, just having more people here is a drain on city services. As you're explaining, those city services are in danger of decreasing, not increasing, like you would expect if that was the case. Wouldn't you expect well, that if they were if they were leaning on city services too much, you'd be saying we have
3: to add more people? We no, have- you could say, why well, aren't they committing more crimes? Which is something you hear. On the radio discussions, we, we don't have evidence of that. Our police department keeps, keeps a whole lot of data, and we did see, if anything, that the incidence of criminal behavior is is uh, disproportionately higher among people who actually have immigration status, either they're citizens or they have some sort of immigration status, but it's actually people who are living here committing you know, committing crime. Uh, so it's not like the police department's being drained of resources as a result of illegal immigration. It's all that said, look, I, I, I'll be the first one to say, as I've said countless times um, on, uh, on this program uh, over the years that Congress has to fix the immigration system. It's been slow to do that, and which has been unfortunate. And so we have these debates all the, all the time and a lot of times they're not grounded in fact.
2: Yeah, that, that's the, the worst part about it. There's a lot of misinformation that gets brought to the airwaves from people that don't understand uh, how it actually works. We only have a few moments left in the hour, but I wanna I wanna mention that Operation Clean Sweep is happening in the South End uh, this weekend. It is, you know, we're talking about the need to clean up the city overall. We talked about that at length last week, and uh, this is an opportunity for people to get out there and, and make yeah, a difference no, themselves. Yeah, no,
3: they they really do a great job, and so the the city obviously. Uh, is responsible for a whole lot of the maintenance of the city, the, just making sure the streets are swept and the trees are trimmed and all, all that, right? Graffiti's removed. But at the same time, uh, we residents, all of us have an obligation to keep it clean. And that means throwing, throwing out, doing things as simple as throwing out litter, uh, letting the city know when something's falling apart, you know, letting the city... So that we can attend to it. If there's a mattress dropped off somewhere where it shouldn't, or there's graffiti, let the city know. And then another way we can uh, residents can help, obviously, is by pitching in with an organization like Operation Clean Sweep, which does go around in the warmer weather months uh, and picks up um, trash in, in parts of the city. And it's a great organization, great volunteers, and they I just they, they do such a t- terrific service. So if you want to go out and have uh, do your part show up to uh, to their events the next one is is at uh, down the south end I think they were let's see in fact I have it right here they are going to be meeting um, at the Orpheum theater at nine o'clock on Saturday. The weather's supposed to be good, so come check it out um, and you know there's free food there's just a lot of a lot of people fan out and it's a good 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 way especially for students to who have to do community service work to go out and do it that way. They, they facilitate that as well. So um, not a bad way to start a nice uh, spring weekend.
2: And even if you don't live in the South End, go down there and take part because it'll kind of train you into seeing where litter can end up building up yeah. that you don't even realize yeah. and then you can apply that to your own neighborhood. Uh, we are just about out of time for this morning. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and uh, we will hopefully, you know, continue on depending on your schedule. If you can join us in the morning, if not, you know, next week you could maybe join later on, whatever works yeah, we'll, for you. We'll,
3: we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out.
2: We just want to make sure that you, the audience, have the chance to speak with the mayor every week and, and hear his perspective on a lot of these issues. If you missed any part of the discussion, you can catch it all on podcast. It'll be loaded up in just a bit at WBSM.com, on the WBSM.com WBS.